Okay, we're going to get started on our live stream. Sorry we're a couple minutes late, folks. I'm Aaron Schatz, the Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for February 7th, 2022. And I am joined today by Mike Tanier, who, if you're going to call yourself that in your videos from the uh, Senior Bowl, I'm going to start pronouncing your last name that way, because if that's how you pronounce your last name, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. I'm going to change it next week. Uh, Brian Knowles is here, and J.P. Acosta is coming along in just a minute or two. He needed the ah, he needed the link, but now he's got it. Hey, J.P. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the live stream. Hi. So I want to thank everybody who's watching us on Twitch and YouTube, where you can make live comments and ask questions. And I want to welcome. Uh, everybody who's listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders podcast network, or you're watching right now through Twitter or Facebook or the little widget in the corner of our website, wherever you are watching or listening to us, thank you so much. And please like the show and subscribe to the show so that you get all of our shows. The schedule is going to get a little wonky now that we're getting into the off season, but there will be regular shows coming along and all kinds of football coverage in the off season. So the main thrust of today's show was going to be talking about the Super Bowl and prop bets and stuff. But before we do that, uh, I want to ask if you guys have any opinions on, I think there have been three coaching hires since, one, one is not official yet, but uh, three coaching hires since we last did a show. One is Mike McDaniel, the former San Francisco offensive coordinator in Miami, one is Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, and one is Lovey Smith, who is going to be promoted from defensive coordinator to uh, head coach in Houston. So I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on these coaching hires. Well, I guess I'll start because Doug Peterson is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And honestly, like, it's fine. I think that... I think he's going to be a good coach for Trevor Lawrence. Will help with the quarterback development. I'm intrigued to see who he brings in on his staff. But the entire process has been, like, the worst. It has really pulled out every single shred of apathy. <laughs> like, now I'm just thinking, man, they really fell backwards into a good hire. Surprisingly. <laughs> like, this never happened. I'm not going to say this never happens to the Jaguars. Where, like, they fall behind backwards into something because it always happens. But this this time it felt really weird because like everybody knows the problem in Jacksonville, but the Jaguars refused to address the problem. They talked about it at the uh, press conference. Trent Baalke said that he had the vote of confidence from Shot Khan and knew he wasn't going anywhere. And the fact <laughs> is kind of just like, what's the point? You're always doing all these half measures instead of cleaning house fully. So It'll be interesting to see how Doug Peterson works with Trent Baalke. I'll be intrigued to see if they actually do bring in Rick Spielman, who's been in for interviews as kind of like the GM above the GM. It's really weird. So, like, they interviewed Spielman to be the GM above the GM because current GM is one GM that nobody likes, but the owner won't fire the GM that nobody likes. So we'll just bring in the GM that's over the GM. It feels like it's well, is that the idea? If Spielman comes in, does Spielman have final say, or does Balky have final say and Spielman is below him? So if Spielman is brought in, Trent Balky will go to the thing that he feels he does best scouting and player acquisition. 
And that's the thing that he focuses on, and Rick Spielman will do everything else. The latter will go, Balky, Spielman, Shad Khan. But they'll okay. all collaborate on final say. This all just feels like a bad, like, it feels like Game of Thrones, but it's only season eight because everything sucked. <laughs> no. <laughs> Spielman and Peterson is not a bad combination. No. No, it's not. But it's it's meat in that sandwich. The meat in that sandwich is rotten. That's the problem. Exactly. It is. (laughs) It's like that episode of Wandavision where it's like it was Agatha all along. It's Balky all along. We know the problem. We've seen the problem for the past few months. All the all the stories from from Balky's Niners tenure are coming back out. Like how he was on the field critiquing Jimmy Ward being in the wrong position when no Balky actually had no idea what was going on. I think. Five straight years now, uh, when when Balky's been on a team, the coach has gotten fired. This yeah. is not this is not exactly a uh, long term stability situation you got going on there. I, I'm I'm with David Guard 100. percent Like I wouldn't go there either if Balky is still going to be in charge of anything. I said Byron You're with who 100? percent Byron Leftwich. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I understand his feeling. He wanted a GM. He felt he could work with. This was the easiest layup. The Jaguars have ever had in a coaching search. I mean, and they you know, it twenty rows up into Crypto <laughs> Arena, but the, but then they got the free throw. They yeah, got the free throw somehow. It bounced off the back of the arena and somehow went in. They got two points, but the whole point behind it was completely messed up. And, and the Balky skullduggery, Peterson's going to be good for that because when the going gets tough, the tough go out to dinner at six o'clock. Uh, and Peterson, it's gonna it's gonna roll off of that duck like rainwater to a degree, and he'll keep it away from the team to a degree. Hey Amen. I'm just happy Doug Peterson is an advocate for ice cream. That is that is a man I can get behind. Aggressively pro ice cream. He's also aggressively pro analytics. So at least we can get behind that. I mean, you know, I've been talking. People have been like, "What do you think of these coaching hires?" And for the most part, the answer is, I don't know. Because you don't know whether coordinators have that CEO instinct in them that they need to run a team. And you don't know whether, you know, are they on our side in the analytics? You know, we know that Doug Peterson is on our side. So that at least is positive. Joey Suck says Trent Baalke should retire, build a time machine, and get roles as the mean principal in 80s teen movies. I could see him in the back of the bus at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, was that Jeffrey Jones? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely an out of nowhere possibility with Jacksonville. Like, there's no question that it's possible that with a real head coach instead of the nonsense of last year, Trevor Lawrence takes a big step forward in year two. And that division is still there to be had. All I'm asking for is just mediocrity at this point. I will take the seven and 10. I'll take the eight and nine years. I just can't do any more three to 14. With I would think the Trevor, Lawrence, get the Trevor Lawrence is and DJ Chark back from his injury mm-hmm. and and add some free agents. Mm-hmm. Well, it's gonna Seven be, and 10 should be pretty doable. It's right. going to be definitely interesting to see what they do in the free agent market because again, they'll have some of the most cap space in the NFL this year, but I think Andrew Norwell is going to be a free agent. Cam Robinson's a free agent. DJ Chark is a free agent. AJ oh, Chark's Cam- a free agent. I yeah, Chark's a free agent. They, they've taken problem. care of no business during the no last problem. year that they should have taken care of. They they didn't sign him to a contract extension last year, and that, then he got hurt during his contract year. I'm hoping they re-sign him, but it's I'm not sure at this point. Um, AJ Cann is a free agent. Yeah. So you're pretty much possibly replacing like four out of, three out of five offensive linemen from last year. So 
Yeah. They got they got the work cut out for them, but I said last year that this was a great time to have all the opportunity in the world with most cap space in the league and the number one draft pick. So I was feeling really optimistic. Then last year happened, and now we're back with the most cap space in the league and one more and the number one overall draft pick. So now I'm just like, whatever, whatever happens, man, I'm I'm just gonna be along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, look, it's still a good place because the fact is, if you redrafted not just last year's draft, but you drafted this year's draft and last year's draft, let's all be honest, Trevor Lawrence would still be the number one pick. Yeah, it's just now we have to, now the Jaguars have to surround him with the talent and the play calling that really will help him develop. Because honestly, like last year was a year zero for him. This was the worst coaching he's had since Cartersville High School. What do you think about Mike McDaniel, Brian, coming out of uh, San Francisco? He wasn't the play caller, right? It's just that he's, like, versed in the Shanahan system, and so the system spreads like ooze. Exactly. You know, I always am a little wary when you promote someone who has never uh, called plays or been responsible for any game day actual management to a position like this. But McDaniel, he's very sharp. He's very on top of things. I, I... I, I am, I think, costly optimistic would be how I would describe it. Because I think he is bringing that Shanahan system over. And I think that fits to his uh, Tiger Valois skill set quite well. All those short crosses over the middle, all the play action, all the zone running. I think that's going to really help him. Because right now, all he can do well is the RPOs. But if you get, get those nice, easy throws of the middle, I think that helps build on what he does. It's going to be a lot similar to what he was running in Alabama. It's going right. to uh, be very good for him if they can get even one solid offensive lineman there to give him any time whatsoever. Um, yeah. like, I don't think they're going to go to the draft to get the, get an offensive lineman because they've been doing that for like the past three years and nothing has worked. Yeah. You, just, so. you just named all the groceries on the offensive line. All the Jaguars linemen, some of them are going to be in Miami, some of them are going to be in Cincinnati. All the Saints linemen that they can't afford. Toronto. They have the opportunity to add – to that offensive line and free agency and try and get at least something there. Because like you said, Brian, I think they can turn Tua into kind of a Jimmy G kind of like player because honestly, that Miami defense is good. It's going to continue to be good because they're all relatively young and they're still locked under contract. So you can't continue to waste the prime of this defense with an offense that can barely move three yards. So it's going to be one thing. That's one thing I like about McDaniel. He said he wants to keep the defensive staff in place. That that's, that's already very good sign that he realizes that this is working. We're going to keep that. And now we're going to fix all the disasters over here on offense. That's why you brought him in. And then lovey Smith in Houston. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Lovey Smith. Let's, let's start with this, which is, uh, he did a really good job with their defense, yeah. given yeah. what the talent level was. Yeah. Lovey Smith may be one of those guys like North Turner, who maxes out at coordinator and is a really good coordinator. But as a head coach, he you know he did lead a team to a Super Bowl, so it's not like he's a terrible head coach. It's just the roundabout way that they got to him is yeah. weird, and it makes you wonder just how long he is for the. For the this is they took the Jaguars route in hiring. No, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> this is Cal McNair running the team like his model train set, and Jack Easterby getting even more power, and 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 just having no clue, and, and just fibberty gibbetsing around and goofing off in this entire process, and then 
settling for the guy who was left. That's all this is. And it's just bodes poorly for every decision they make moving forward. And I did I did notice in the uh the release that I think Ian Rappaport sent out on Twitter. It said yeah. the Texans are moving towards naming Lovey Smith their head coach for 2022. Yes. And like for 2022. For 2022, so they're yeah. They're giving you the game. Like yes. the game, they're giving the game away. They we know what's gonna happen. This is another bridge towards Josh McCown. Which if they want Josh McCown to be the head coach in the future, though, at least they should put him on the staff so that he gets some experience doing something. You would think that would make sense, right? <laughs> like, call you coordinator this year. They won't. They might make him assistant quarterback coach or something like that. But there, there's no logical flow from decision A to decision B to decision C. There's none. There's no. How many bridges are they going to have to build? <laughs> they get to Josh McCown. This this feels like London Bridge where they like it's falling down. They're gonna build it back up. They're gonna break it down again, and we're gonna be in like 2027, and they're gonna bring back Lovey Smith again. Seven Bridges uh, Road. Useful was first asked, can Waddle play the Debo Samuel role in Miami? I don't think it would make sense to predict that anyone could be Debo because the 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 running back thing and how effective he was as a running back. I mean, it's possible there are other wide receivers who have those talents, but I wouldn't bet on it. But he absolutely can be the, like, high yak crosser catching the ball guy, I would think. You're going to be hearing that this guy's the next Debo for all this offseason. Is this draft prospect the next Debo? Is this free agent the next Debo? No. slot, every little slot, big slot, running back who can catch, the next – I can't wait for the combine – Everybody is going to go saying, I'm doing a feature on the next Debo Samuel. I'm going to interview all the coaches and GMs. And there's going to be these guys running around getting these super generic answers. And they're going to put these uh, features out there. And at the end of the day, Debo's Debo and slot receivers are useful. And there are a lot of different shapes and sizes of them. And when it comes to Jalen Waddle, I think they're two completely different body types and two completely different types. Yeah. Of oh, yeah. like, Debo Samuel is like huge, like He's not like big in height, but he's at least like 220. Like he is a running back right. that plays receiver. Jalen Waddle is a little skinnier. I think he's faster. But like you said, he can be the yak guy where they can bring him over on crossing routes, give him the ball in his hands real quick, and then he can turn something into a 10-yard, 15-yard game. I will be intrigued to see what they do with Devontae Parker, though, because it doesn't seem like he fits that kind of offense, although they do – Tua does need yeah, he's much of more of a like contested catch downfield guy. Yeah. And Mike Gasicki also might be a re- really weird fit in this offense because he's not a blocker. No. So unless they unless they go get a blocking tight end, then what are they gonna do with Gasicki? They had Smith Smythe Smith, I think, there as their tight end. Uh, Dur- Durham Smythe. Durham, Durham Smith Smythe Smith, yeah. Uh, don't confuse him with Lee Smith. Lee Smith is retired. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But I think Devontae Parker caught passes from Marino. He's been there so long. I don't know if that's somebody that they're just going to going to cycle through at this point and say, "Well, while we're here, we're going to refresh some of the roster a little bit." I'm pretty sure he caught passes from Jay Cutler. That's that's how long that's passes. That's not hyperbole. That I think is true, actually. Yes. (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl Fifty Six. I wanted uh, so first of all, we wanted Brian on the show because he's the master of prop bets from the scramble at the ball prop bet extravaganza, and then JP because JP and Mike will both be covering the Super Bowl, which I wanted to actually ask you about JP because I think it's so amazingly awesome. Like 
So what's the deal with Northwestern sending you to L.A.? So every year, Northwestern grad school does this uh, thing called Medill Explorers, where basically for a week, they go and say, hey, go and get some experience in your field. Go, go do. So uh, for the sports group this year, we're going to one of two places. So one group is going to Phoenix and the other is going to Los Angeles. I'm going to Los Angeles on Thursday and I'll be covering the Super Bowl virtually through this entire week up to Thursday. Then Friday, I'll be covering uh, the practice and the media sessions on Friday. And then Sunday, I'll be in the press box at the Super Bowl, which is going to be really cool. It's going to be really fun. I can't wait. But uh, it's it's definitely something super cool that Medill does. Well, I think it's awesome because it gives us two people there. So (laughs) make sure we want to hear from you in audibles during the Super Bowl. I think the two of you get together in person. We we will. We'll get a picture together. And you're going to love it. It's the strangest, hardest job you will ever love. It is. I can't wait, man. I'm going to. All the audibles will just be like me during the halftime. So like, oh my God, that's Kendrick Lamar. And <laughs> out people in the press box. Like, oh my gosh, Mina Khan is right there. I'm going to go talk to her. <laughs> well, the one thing is you'll probably be in the auxiliary press box. So some of the big names you won't see because they'll be in the regular press box. But Mike will be in the auxiliary press box too. So yeah, yeah. Well, what happens is we're kind of, they take seats that would be normally seats for fans and turn them into tables. Um, and one of these years, I'm going. My cause of death will be falling, rolling down the steps, trying to climb into it. So maybe you'll miss <laughs> that this year. But there, there'll be chances for stargazing in the interview rooms, etc. And like during the week beforehand, you're it's it, you're going to absolutely love it. And there is a media party. We should try to hit that if we can on Friday. Make sure that's you are where you'll get a chance to talk to some of your media idols. Absolutely, yes. is that media party. Yes, in I a way you've never seen me on the plans for me and my friends. We're definitely gonna try and be try and head out there i think it's at universal and i've never been in universal hollywood so i'm probably just gonna be riding all the roller coasters yeah it's not an either it's not an either or for having a cocktail riding the roller coasters it's not an either or. <laughs> you have a cocktail on the roller coaster mm. i can remember in minneapolis on the uh, rugrats ride in the mall of america with a whiskey and ginger ale in my hand and i must point out i have <laughs> i have vertigo uh, so what happened next is not to be discussed, but that's the thing that happens. This is definitely going to be different than the Super Bowl party when we were in Miami two years ago, which was just in kind of a like ship hangar, and we had yep. to like climb over train tracks because there was a train that was stopped that blocked all of our Ubers from getting to the party, so we had to get out and climb behind the train to get to the party. I was at that one covering it for FAU, and I think I remember like calling my friends because I saw like a wall of donuts, and I called yes. my friends and I was like, "Yo, they got a wall of donuts here. This is sick. Like I'm never leaving." There was a wall of donuts there. That is 100 percent true. And and you're right. Somebody from Conrail came out and yelled at us. There were there were media. Yes, they didn't want us crossing the train tracks because they were like live train tracks. It was between people were crossing between the couplings of the trains. It was, <laughs> And they're like, if that train starts, you are dead. You are road pizza. And like, but we have to get into the open bar. That was not me speaking. That was not Iron Speaking. When somebody said that, I was thinking that, though. I was thinking Yeah, we'll let everybody else say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Common sense not super high in the media. (laughs) Let's talk some Super Bowl prop bets. I asked you guys to look up a couple of prop bets you like. But first, I've got a couple for us to all talk about. And we have graphics for these so that we can have the odds for the main people. Let's start with Super Bowl MVP, and your pick for this is sort of displays your feelings about the game as well. 
but we have the top, these are the top 12 guys in Super Bowl MVP odds. And my first response upon looking at this list is Kendall Blanton. (laughs) (laughs) I love your long shots. (laughs) No, I mean, but if you think about it, Kendall Blanton, like there are other players that are longer shots than, like I'll just say right now, I can't believe that Tyler Boyd and Trey Hendrickson are longer shots than Kendall Blanton. Agreed. It feels like those one of these things is not like the other yeah. on Sesame Street. Like, hey, figure this one out. I don't think a tight end has ever won. Uh, no. I don't think a tight end has ever won Super Bowl MVP. Right. I wrote about that a couple of weeks ago. And like Gronk would have been the one a couple of years ago against the Rams. We had the great game. It's like if you're not giving it to Gronk then, I mean, Kendall Blant would have to have like 19 catches then, I think, to, to get there. And also, isn't like Tyler Higby like still on track to play? Yes. Yeah. He is plus 8,000, by the way. Tyler Higby is plus 8,000. Okay, so that's, so that's schmuck bait. That's what you're just saying there. It's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> that's the definition of what these prop bets are. Super Bowl prop bets are schmuck bait. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's like, how big of a schmuck do you want to be? That's always your deciding factor when you start dumping money on, like, what kind of the Gatorade is going to be when it's dumped on someone. <laughs> you realize you are the schmuck. You're doing this for fun. How much money can you afford to blow on these if, kind of things? A reminder, if you're watching the show, especially if you're watching right now on Twitch or YouTube, you can give your thought in the comments as to which of these Super Bowl you think is the best odds. I mean, as far as who's you, who would you pick to actually win if the odds didn't matter, I have a feeling we're all going to say either Stafford or Burrow, depending on which team we think is more likely to win the game. But what's more fun is figuring out who whose odds are the best, like, value. Yeah. Chase, I think Chase it, plus 2,000 is pretty tasty. I'm just saying that. To, to be the best value, I think, is, is pretty clearly Cooper Cup uh, plus 600. I mean, because Julian Edelman won the MVP a few, uh, a few years ago with like a 10 catch, yeah, 10 catch, 141 yards. That Cup said that in both of the last two weeks. I could totally see that <laughs> happening. Plus, it's easier for me to see that, oh, we'll give it to Cup and not Stafford as opposed to let's give it to Chase and not Burrow. I think there's a bit of a uh, narrative kind of thing that you want to give it to the young quarterback. Like, here's like, this is the future of the league here. And right. there's less of a push to do that with Stafford. So if you imagine the same scenario where either Cup or Chase have those like big numbers, it's easier for me to see the voters going with Cup over Stafford than it is for me seeing Chase over Burrow. But I, I yeah, I, I would I would think Cup, I would take Cup or Chase because while yeah. the quarterbacks are most likely to win it, those odds are just so so bad. Yeah, I kind of like the Aaron Donald plus eighteen hundred plus a thousand because he's going to eighteen hundred actually. Plus so that's even better. I kind of yeah. like the Aaron Donald odds here because whoever's playing right guard, whether it be Akeem Adeniji yeah. or Jackson Carmen, they're going to end up looking like the Mr. Krabs meme, just kind of looking around <laughs> all lost. Because Aaron Donald might have nine sacks by himself in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing is, there have been a couple defensive winners. You go back as far as Ray Lewis, a lot of times you, you, the defensive guy could be the proxy winner. The defense dominated, he's the star. And he gets the uh, award. So Ch- Donald could want to be like a sack and a half or something like that, but it's just an overall effort. And like, well, give it to Donald because he obviously dis- disrupted in there. So that is intriguing at plus 1800 as well. I, I will say the only two defensive players who won it in the last 12 years, Malcolm Smith and Von Miller, Malcolm Smith scored, Von Miller co- caused a fumble, which led to a touchdown. So they kind yes. of, it's been that there has to be a defensive touchdown for a defensive player to win the award to a certain extent. But yeah, if Donald gets three or four sacks, I mean, Right. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. If it's just an overall Rams defensive good performance kind of wins the game, mm-hmm. and no one player has two or three sacks, right. 
they're going to give it to Donald because the idea Donald is the dominator of that defense. Right, right. Now, that, now you're right. That didn't happen with Malcolm Smith because they could have given it to all these more famous Seahawks players. But you're right. There was a straight-up touchdown there. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I like Chase at plus 2,000. Joey sucks is saying Cincinnati can't win without a big game from Chase. That's right. And I, I'm not, I don't think Cincinnati is going to win. But like in terms of a gambling situation, getting that plus 2,000 on that side, because he can win it with one or two spectacular plays. Yeah. Whereas you're right, Cup gets the victory, and then it was like, oh, well, he, he went 10-144, and so we're giving it to him. So I could see Joe Mixon at plus 4,000, too, because yeah. sometimes when the Rams have lost, it's been because they've been beaten on beaten on the ground. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I can imagine the scenario in which Mixon gets get, get, uh, gets the MVP, and those are, those, are, those are pretty nice long odds. Yeah, and I'd also say maybe it feels like a big T. Higgins game. Like, I know it'd be kind of going into the game strategy, but this feels like a game where T. Higgins is going to have another huge performance because Jamar Chase is going to be seeing Jalen Ramsey the entire game. So maybe if T. Higgins has the most receiving yards, catches a couple of touchdowns, I could see it. Yeah. But a plus 5,000 odds would make it very interesting. No, it would make Chase. it. But when I, when I get Chase at plus 2,000, I don't know if I want T. at plus 5,000. Yeah. That's, that's a, a similar, by the way, prop bet we also have a graphic for is first touchdown scorer. So hold on. We'll bring up that graphic. So these are the top 13 guys for first touchdown scorer. I'm amazed that CJ Azuma is so high, given that there's a good chance he's not going to be able to play. Right. And schmuck bait. Schmuck bait, I guess. He was speaking today. He, of course, he's very eloquent, but he 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 wasn't giving a lot of information as to what his actual availability was. There's a guy Blanton again. We can just go across the board and make a lot of Blanton bets. My favorite on this bet, I think, as far as odds go, is Sony Michelle at sixteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, he does tend to be their kind of red zone kind of power back, which is really weird considering, like, at Georgia, he was the fast pace guy, but. Mm -hmm. I do find it interesting that both Tyler Higby and Kendall Blanton are both on here at plus 1,400 and plus 1,600. Like, those both feel like smug bait to me because, like, who knows if they're either going to play? Right. But I do think um, – I think I'm leaning, like, the Odell Beckham plus 1,000 because once they get to the red zone, the Rams like to isolate OBJ on the one side and either give him a fade or a slant. That seems like easy money every time. Right. So that could be a viable option there. Here's something I, because I, I dug into some stats for this for the prop bet extravaganza. You know, Cup uh, led the league in receiving touchdowns and everything. How many times do you think uh, did Cup score the first touchdown for the Rams this season? They played 20 games. How many times did Cup get the first score? What would what, what be your guess? Three. It's four times. Oh. So at plus 450, that's crazy. Van Jefferson also scored the first touchdown for the Rams four times, and he's uh, down here at the very bottom odds here. Oh, I like Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson oh, I like for, that then. Jefferson's good for like one deep shot a game. That deep shot could very well be going into the end zone at plus eighteen hundred. I like that as a, as your long shot here. By the way, you can get Cooper Cup to score the first and second touchdown of the game at plus twenty eight hundred. So remember, <laughs> of the game. Back to back plus twenty eight hundred. I'm gonna look up. I know there's one here for Chase. I'm gonna see if I can find it. I like Cup getting the first two touchdowns for the Rams more than I like right. Cup getting the first two yeah. touchdowns of the game. No, that's really extreme. But that's plus. That's a, plus twenty eight hundred is not enough meat on the bone for that. I'm trying to find. Uh, 
our guy. No, I would need better odds on that. Chase, it's plus 5,500. So first two touchdowns, Jamar Chase plus 5,500. Still just wacky doodle off the rails type of thing there, but but with better odds. And then the other prop bet that we did a graphic for, and this one will get more into how we all feel about the game, since the three of you will not be joining me on Thursday's preview show, we can get your thoughts about the game here, is margin of victory. The margin of victory prop, not only picking the game, but picking how much the winning team will win by. Will it be a big win or a small win? Um, This is not picking the exact score of the game like that dude who won the freaking $500,000 or whatever from FanDuel, but um, picking the margin, picking both margins. So what do you guys think is the best value on the board if these are the odds for each of the margins? In the prop bets extravaganza, I went Rams by 7 to 12. Uh, my, my usual, I've been doing, I've doing this last five years. My usual process is find the team I'm going to pick to win and pick the smallest bracket. But I think this is a fairly big mismatch on paper, bigger than we've seen in a couple of years. So I'm, I've even tempted by Vans by 13 to 18. But to me, that, that those odds aren't quite high enough for me to go and give the extra touchdown. So I think Vans by 7 12, it's going to be a one and a half score game. Bengals maybe get something back at the end. That's kind of what I'm feeling. I'm with Brian on this. I've been saying 28-17 on the radio as a number that kind of came into my head here. So that's the 7-12 to 12 for the Rams. And plus 370 is pretty good meat on the bone for that. I'm kind of thinking L.A. by 1-6. to six. I don't know. I This Bengals team, like every time I've gone against them, they've wound up proving me wrong. Like I've, <laughs> I've been going back and forth between scores, and I've kind of been saying L.A. 28-24 which I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be a close game in the end. Like, I feel like there might be like a last gasp, like fourth quarter comeback attempt by the Bengals, but the Rams just have too much talent on, especially in the most critical positions of being offensive and defensive line. See now, interestingly, as far as odds go, see, as far as what I think is going to happen, I like Los Angeles by seven to 12. Cause the, so the number that I gave in ESPN asked all its experts for a Super Bowl pick. I gave 31 to 20 as my final score. So I just added on a field goal for each team to what you have, Mike. Okay. Um, Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati by 7 to 12 might be the best odds with the idea that if they win, it's not necessarily going to be like by a last-minute field goal. Like they could win by a touchdown. Right. And you get all that plus 750, like – you go against you go against your gut instinct, but you say their scenario for winning is this sort of like meltdown by the Rams, and they win handily as a result. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. All four of us, though, all four of us are on the Rams as the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard for me to build the Bengals argument that doesn't start with, well, Stafford throws a couple of picks just because of Stafford throwing picks. Yeah. I, I can't I can't construct an argument that isn't all about well the Rams having one of their bad games and if, that, if that's what you're going for then you know any given Sunday you know I can't build a both teams playing at their mean or close to their mean this is how the Bengals win yeah it's just tough to see like the only way that I see like a Bengals win is like you said Stafford going full Stafford 
in this game and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase exploding like they did in the first Chiefs game where Jamar has like 260 receiving yards. But yeah. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Like they're going to they're gonna need a big T. Higgins performance and possibly a big Joe Mixon performance. They're going to need their biggest games from everybody that's not Jamar Chase. And a big Jesse Bates performance and a big yeah. – that's where I am having that's where my biggest problem is like I'm a believer in the Bengals offense even though they haven't been spectacular over the playoffs but they've been better in the second half of the season than they were in the first half and we know that they can get a lot of points the Bengals defense people are talking about them like they're a great defense and that Anna Rumo who I always mispronounce his name is a great coordinator they were until the playoffs very mediocre yeah. essentially they they also were really mediocre against the raiders this they have two good games the Bengals are coming off two good defensive games and all of a sudden we're talking about them like they're one of the great defenses in the league like did you watch the whole season a game and a half one of which the chiefs were getting to the red zone and being like against them you know where they were actively Clearly unforced errors by the Yeah, team. it's really a game and a half because it's really just the Titans game and the second half of the Chiefs game. Right. But no, I, I, I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. So I, you know, I go on the radio and it's like, Bengals defense, underrated, unheralded unit. Like they're not underrated by any stretch. They, they, they are at best sort of a league average unit that's playing well recently. Like there's nothing underrated about this defense. Right. Like the league average is- units have two good, good games in a row. Like that'll right. happen a couple times a season. Right. The one thing that they have done well is they've adjusted to like every like game situation. Cause like that second yeah. half for the Chiefs, they completely adjusted their entire defense. Their Tennessee game plan was a huge adjustment from how they've normally played this season. But I don't know, man. I feel like the Rams just have too much in different places. Cause like the one thing that like the Chiefs didn't have was another receiver like a wide receiver too, who can win those one-on-one battles and they double Tyree kill. If you double Cooper cup, you got to find someone who can guard OBJ. You got to find someone who's going to guard Van Jefferson. They just, they just have too many weapons. Yeah. I think I I'm agreeing with you because Ouzier is like definitely their best corner. And if they put him on cup, then who, you know, whoever guards Beckham is much Eli Apple is not going to, do well against and, and, and since when can Awuzie neutralize Cup? I mean, we can talk seriously about well, Ramsey could neutralize Chase to a degree, right? Oh, he, he'll he'll have a nice game. He could have a nice game against Cup, but right? He can slow. He's Cup not going to neutralize him, right? Right. Yeah. So like they're going to have to rotate their coverage with maybe like Von Bell and Chidobe Awuzie bracketing Cooper Cup and kind of playing that Belichick kind of one double, like one double ten. But then you're leaving. Odell Beckham one-on-one with Eli Apple, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> like the giant, <laughs> like the battle of the former giants in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man, I would not want Eli Apple on that island. Joey sucks. Ask, is there a prop bet on how many teams Stafford will throw a touchdown to? I think that's just the interception prop bet. It's yeah. Do we have that out? I'm sure it's going to be a 0.5. I'm going to see if I can. Yeah, it's a 0.5. I don't know what the odds are right now on it, but it's, it's a 0.5 over and under for both, both quarterbacks. It's uh, over is minus 155 for Stafford. So the house has the impression Stafford's going to throw a pick. It's minus yeah. 140 for Burrow. Remember Burrow? I mean, he's on a little streak now. He threw an interception in the AFC Championship game, and 
when it mattered, he, he threw a pick. So it's like uh, both teams could very well get an interception. It's when we get into two, three, or four that I think you worry about one or the other imploding. Yeah. So I asked you guys to pick if you had a couple of prop bets that you liked in particular. Uh, does, does Brian, do you have a couple that you in particular like? My favorite, just from a football perspective, is uh, kind of an uh, inbuilt parlay you can bet on. It's Will, Will Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Odo Beckham all have over 49 and a half receiving yards. That's nice. a plus 150. I really like that because that that's the kind of game I want to watch. I want to watch the game where all these wide receivers are going off simultaneously on all the passing. Let's see. Plus 160 now. Uh, I'm getting at plus 150 at BetUS right now. So you, 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 that's nothing about bets. You can shop around because there's a lot of differences between these things at various sites and various places. Unless you live in Massachusetts. Uh, in which oh, case you can still look you around. Shop around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is gambling legal in california or do i have to place my bets before i leave i'm not sure i, I don't know because i don't want to have to place all my bets on thursday morning before well, i crowd leave. this information people if you know that yes. if you know, this is the sound of me not, asking three people to look something yet, up during it a is podcast. not yet it is not yet legal in california i know what i'm doing in the morning on thursday that stinks okay <laughs> won't be the first time i placed a bet on thursday morning with a thursday podcast and paid for it on sunday um, one that was similar to that, and I don't like this bet, is Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase 15-plus combined receptions. I don't mind that. And 80-plus receiving yards each. So Cup and Chase combined 15, 80-plus receiving yards each. Problem is only plus 150. So I'm kind of stuck. Like, what happens if Ramsey does shut down Chase to the point where, you know, you get eight catches for 60 yards because he's catching comebacks. I mean, Higgins and Boyd are good enough that it's not like Burrow has to stare down Chase all the time. Precisely. Like, if Chase is covered, go elsewhere. Precisely. Same with OBJ and Van Jefferson to a degree. And if you could give me that at plus 400, I'd be talking. But at plus 150, it's a, it's a weird low-action bet. While we're, while we're sticking with the receivers, how do you like Cup or Chase to score a 50-plus-yard touchdown reception at plus 225? I kind of like that. I love long reception props. That kind of that goes into mine because mine was uh, L.A. is minus 150 and teams scores a lo- score the longest touchdown. And the one thing the Bengals defense has not been very good at is tackling. Like once you get past <laughs> their first line of defense, they don't have very many people who can tackle. So I feel like this is a kind of a coverage bust or a missed tackle away from OBJ or a Cooper Cup kind of breaking, breaking one open and – there you have it. But the Bengals also is really interesting there. They're also, I think they're plus 150 there. They're plus 125 for longest touchdown. But I like the Rams minus 150 there. So what was it, either team or was it uh, Chase or Cup have to have that long touchdown? Or is it just no, team? this one was team. Yours was teams. And Brian, yours was teams? Mine was just, mine, mine was just Chase or Cup. All right. So that's a little different. So I can see the slant and go from either of those guys, but uh, it was plus 150. The Bengals uh, are plus yeah. 125, and the Rams are minus 150. To have the longest touchdown in the game. The longest uh, touchdown in the game. And mine was plus 225 for either uh, Cup or Chase to get I the like, 50 under. So I this like is that. The, the big difference between Chase and Cup. Joey Sucks points it out. Chase did have a fair amount of low yardage games during the middle of the season, whereas Cup was like at 100 like every freaking game. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Um, my favorite yardage prop actually is I'll just just a regular player prop, but this is one that I picked for the ESPN best best column. Tyler Boyd over 40 and a half receiving yards because the Rams pass defense is weakest in the short middle. Yeah. Right. And who is their number one receiver as far as how often they throw to them in the short middle? It's not Azuma. No. It's Tyler Boyd. He's the slot guy. So I love the idea of Boyd. I love the idea that if of them trying to shut down Chase and Burrow going elsewhere and his other receivers will be open. And I love the idea of Boyd going over 40 and a half receiving yards. I like it. I like it. I got Evan McPherson. (laughs) I like Evan McPherson, 50 plus yard field goal at plus 140. He's kicked a lot of 50 pluses. They, they, they opt for the field goal there. Weather should be good. Doesn't seem like he has, he's a rookie jitters kind of rookie because he's had our big kicks already. And plus one forty, that's 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 pretty good, pretty good action. We're actually Scott Spratt and I are trying to figure out if SoFi counts as a dome or not. Right. Because he counts it as a dome, but for DVOA, I haven't counted it as a dome because the windows are open on the sides, mm-hmm. and I have to go back and look at the first couple years and how teams have done as SoFi versus other places like on the road like and figure out whether sofi counts as a dome or not like because it's weird used to be a dome was a dome now you've got like dallas where it's like a dome but then the sides open up and then in la it's always open on the sides and it's like complicated now jp when we're there we'll check the wind we'll get a wind i'm gonna go stand right in the middle of the field and just like (laughs) guys Uh, who has another prop bet that they really like? One I liked. It has moved then because I liked it so much, I think. When I wrote the prop bet extravaganza thing earlier this week, there was, you could get over four and a half sacks at minus 135. That has moved to over five and a half they, because I believe everybody was hammering the over on that. So now it's over five and a half sacks at mi- minus 135. That's combined Ooh. for both teams. Ooh. The Bengals might hit that on their own with Aaron Donald against, the, against those right guards. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Not a lot of meat on the action, but I do like it. Yeah, I think it's a good one, but minus 135 is bad odds. Yeah. If it was still four and a half, then, then I, that, because I love that when I wrote it for the article, but everybody loved that. So it, that's why it's, it's they, rather than just pumping the odds, they just added an extra sack to it because <laughs> it, it, they find, find way too low. Now I'm trying to find prop bets for Von Miller because I feel like this is going to be another like, I, Von Miller has a, like a propensity for doing like having the vintage von miller like the biggest moments of the season von miller total tackles and assists uh four and a half over under at even money he's not really a tackles guy though he's not a tackles guy but yeah over over one half sack so will he get a sack minus 165 first sack von miller plus 400 yeah aaron donald plus 350 i'm just gonna take donald on that though like why why Donald? For- yeah, I'm surprised that there's not a larger gap between the two. Honestly, I think I would I think I would kind of take Vaughn Miller on the first sack because the one thing that Joe Burrow has shown, like when he goes to escape the pocket, if he gets interior gonna turn out to his left or turn like away from his yes. throwing shoulder. If Vaughn Miller's on that other side, where they normally have like they'll have like Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd on one side and then Vaughn on the other. If he chases him into Von Miller, I feel like that's an easy Von sack. Can I interest you in any other Rams player besides Donald Miller and Floyd for the first sack at plus twelve hundred? 
Oh man. Wibble wobbling all over the place. He runs in what's the young man's name? Akaban, one of those guys. Hey Sean Robinson. Yeah, if it wasn't if Floyd was not in the mix, that would be a gimme. It wasn't Leonard Floyd in there. Yeah. That's one too many guys. Like you're going for the Robinson and like the the random edge or the blitzer, and I and I can't do it. But plus twelve hundred makes it interesting. How about this one? Donald, Miller, and Hendrickson all to have at least one sack, plus five hundred. Oh, I like that actually. That's fun. I like that's a good one. Especially I I should find look for that. The plus 500 is good on that. Yeah. We could bet no at minus 1,000 if you like getting pennies. That's that's always an option. (laughs) Um, The other player prop I really like, by the way, is Burroughs over on passing yards, which is, I believe, or at least last time I checked, was 273.5. Oh, yeah. That's an easy one. So um, the projection from Scott Spratt is at 300 yards or a little over 300 yards because the Rams actually slightly increase opposing passing yardage this season because of the way game scripts are against them. Like even though they're a good pass defense because you have to pass if you're losing to them. And we all think that the Rams are going to take a lead, right? We're all, we all feel like the Rams are the better team. So the Bengals will need to pass. So Burrow going over that yardage prop is, seems like a good, a good one. I also think they're going to lean a lot into their quick game a whole lot more this game because the Rams play so many five down fronts where they'll have like Greg Gaines, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Ashawn Robinson all on the field at the same time. They're only going to have one linebacker on the field. That's Troy Reader. So he's got to cover all that middle of the field area that leaves a whole lot of quick game open. So they'll run all their stick variations. They'll run the quick game. Tyler Boyd will have a bunch, see a bunch of action. If CJ Uzama is healthy, he'll see a bunch of action like in the quick game over the middle. So they might lean into that because It'd if be they're really, under center, they're going to really gonna hard really hard to come back from an MCL in two weeks. Yeah. 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 It's going to be, it's going to be long odds if Uzama plays, but if anything like quick over the middle, you'll have the advantage of Troy Reader. Like that. That's why I like the Troy. That's why I like the Boyd. I like the Boyd right. prop. Right. How about this? Either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford to have a reception. Philly special at plus 800. No, no, not, <laughs> not enough. I, I like the ones that, that are over and under two and a half uh, players attempting a pass, but I don't like the ones asking the quarterback to catch the catch. Yeah, I like the idea of them having an Odell Beckham pass to somebody. Yes. Better that than the idea that Stafford will be catching the pass. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, because you have the hecker can throw the ball, ODJ. I might take it, though. It's plus 800. <laughs> Because I'll be laughing. I will be laughing all the way to the bank. Then, if if we get like another Philly special or or, or, or the Matthew Stafford Philly special is probably something a sight to behold. Is it a reception or is it a target? Because that that also adjusts yes. those outs quite a bit. No, it's got to be reception. A target mm. is different. You're right. I do think there's a total uh, combined rushing yards over under is two ten and a half. The under is minus one seventy four and the over is plus one thirty six. I would lean under because I think. I don't think the Bengals are going to rush for a lot of yards, but they'll run the ball a lot. And I think that is because Zach Taylor is not a good play caller. caller. (laughs) Because the offense has become so predictable. to the. Are we allowed to say that? I mean, one thing I feel like I've learned over the last week is you're not allowed to say that anybody that's made the Super Bowl is a bad coach. Yeah, at things. 
I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying there are at least like 20 other play callers I want over Zach Taylor because their offense gets predictable to the point where like if they're under center, you know they're running the ball. If it's like, and I think the Chiefs game really like everybody started catching on because every first and second down, if they are under center, they are running the ball. It's going to be outside zone. And it never worked. Not until like late in the fourth quarter. So I think the attempts, if the over-under on attempts is looking pretty nice, I might take the over on attempts, but I'll go under on yards because they, they can't run the ball. Quick note, by the way, Matthew Stafford has caught two passes in his career for minus three yards. I'm almost certain one of them was a ball batted back into his face. I'm sure one of them was a ball batted back to himself. Right. Possibly both of them. So, but that's on the table. That would be, you win the bet. That would count. That would count. I just, plus 800 is not good enough for me. I do agree with Joey Sucks saying Matthew Stafford catching a pass would be the greatest thing ever because he's not graceful in his athleticism. I think that would be hilarious. That, that would be the highlight. You know, when they do those like one second for every Super Bowl, that would be the highlight from this one. It would be Stafford going, ah! The DIR on the receptions where the quarterback has the ball batted back to himself are bad. <laughs> Even, with the Mariota? Even with the Mariota touchdown when he played. The Mariota one is different because he got yardage on it, but usually they lose yardage. Right. It's oh, almost like Joe Burrow can kind of catch a batted pass and get a little, get a little shit. I don't think uh, I see Matthew Stafford doing that at all. <laughs> I can actually see Burrow grittily getting the ball back. So, uh, you know, I'm, Matthew I'm, Stafford I'm, like, I'm not putting the mortgage the on this bet, but I think I'm doing it. I think Matthew Stafford would like volleyball spike it into the ground. I think you're right. right. Just like, I don't want any, any part of this. <laughs> this goes to the next play. All right. Anyone else got another good one you like? It's it's a bounty of riches. Like, there's all these goofy ones that it would take me five minutes to explain on DraftKings. Well, like the pre, yeah, I mean pro, the prop bet extravaganza. We went through all kinds of other yes um, sports, which although some of the bets that you guys did, Brian, are like you're not going to know the answer for like a month or two. There's a few of them. Yeah, I, I was a fan. It's no longer up actually now, but I was a fan of the which would be higher. Uh, Cooper Cup's receptions or gold medals won by the U.S. at the Winter Olympics. We won't know the answer for that one for a couple of weeks, but I like I like those kind of things. Because well, one of the ones you did was um, winning time at the Kentucky Derby compared yep. to Acres and Mixon receiving yards. You're not going to know that one till May. It's May. Here's the thing. You, you will know that one because we know what the winning time for the Kentucky Derby is going to be. It's going to be about two minutes. A lot of those cross sports props are really a very fancy way of doing overs unders. We know <laughs> roughly what the, uh, you know, the another one, Joe Mixon's wrestling yards or John Rahm's first round score. Well, a golfer's not going to shoot 90. A golfer's not going to shoot 40. We know, we know what, what, what these numbers right, are. Right. It's be. only interesting if Mixon gets like 70. Exactly. Right. This is the but, year it snows. At Churchill yes. Downs. Exactly. <laughs> and the horses run in six minutes. That is why I like the cup versus gold medals one, because both of those are nice. Those are, they're, they're on the same scale. They're nice and chunky. The, the, that, that's one I find really interesting. I'm go- I was going for the golds. We haven't done that well over the first couple of days. So my, I, if I had to bet it today, I'd go with cup, because we so didn't win have, any snowboard cross ones. Do they have props on the uh, national anthem this year? They do. Yeah. Uh, it, it actually has gone up. When I wrote the article, the over-under was at a minute 27, which is crazy for a Super Bowl uh, national anthem. The shortest one in the 21st century, Billy Joel took 90 seconds. He took a minute 30 to do it. So the over-under being at, at 127 was insane. That has bumped up, I think, to like 134, 135 now. 
they're expecting uh, Mickey Guyton is the one singing. They're expecting uh, that to go pretty quickly. Okay, but, I thought it was gonna be the Ramones or somebody. Like, yeah, yeah, that's gonna get in and out fast. Gotta take the over on that one. Well, see, I want to know because I want to see who was doing the national anthem, and then from there, I kind of base it on over under. Yeah. I think Mickey Guyton's gonna go over. Yeah, I think this is a very over kind of Super Bowl. My favorite Look, of the good ones. State, I I have no idea who Mickey Guyton is. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite one of the of the kind of novelty ones. I usually like like to bet on who what, what song is going to be played first at halftime because then you get to look at the set list trying to figure out what's a good opening like that. Right. But this year, so there's so many people performing. The bet now is which artist is actually going to perform first. Right. You got a Mary J. Blige at plus one fifty. You got Kendrick Lamar at two twenty five. You got Snoop at three twenty five. You got Dr. Dre at four fifty. You got Eminem at five hundred. There's no way Eminem's opening a school at, at, in Los Angeles, for God's sake. There's got to be Snoop Dre. This is still, D, this is still DRE area yeah. right here to open up. Like, I think I'm right? Snoop, but yeah, you have to get – it's in Los Angeles. That's the whole point. That's why you're doing this. I will say it would be hilarious to open up with Lose Yourself. Yes. Like, it, it's, it's, the tone right it's a away. good opening song. It's a good opening song, except that that puts Eminem on stage first. That, which exactly. The NFL will be like – same with Snoop. They'll be like – Unless, you know. unless Eminem does Forgot About Dre first. Unless he, <laughs> unless he performs with Dre for the first song, I don't see Eminem opening up. Yeah. I don't see him being an opener. I think, honestly, he'll do Forgot About Dre, he'll do Lose Himself, and then he'll just be on there, like, bobbing his head. Like, I think I'm already, like, placing bets with my mom on how many uh, songs Mary J. Blige is going to do, which songs it's, she It's a remarkable Super Bowl halftime show. If you think about the idea that the NFL has mostly stayed away from anything controversial, there are going to be swear words. <laughs> and and <laughs> controversy, will Snoop Dogg smoke on stage? Yes, plus 195. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Legal in California. I, would take, I would take that immediately. Does he have to actually smoke something lit, or is it just a pantomime of smoking with a, with a prop? It does have to be lit. It, it does not specify what he's smoking necessarily. So if he decides to go with a bottle with a big old cigar, that would technically qualify for the prop. I don't think that's a high probability. He, he, I got to see Snoop opening for Guns N' Roses at the Super Bowl two years ago. That's not a thing I dreamed. That's a thing that actually happened. And it was NFL sponsored. It was NFL sponsored. And there was wall to wall weed references. There was no. Like, like, oh, Snoop, you can't do that. So he had the, the, the dog out there, like, walking around blunted. He did all of that stuff. I know that's not going to happen at the Super Bowl, but the idea that he has, like, a fake giant joint and, like, like does the, the motion with it, I, probability's pretty decent there. That, that the NFL's going to be like, well, I don't know what that meant. I don't understand that reference. We're fine. It's legal here. Whatever. <laughs> Roger could be all going to make a phone call midway through the halftime show. Shut it down. Shut, Shut it all down. Paul McCartney's <laughs> rushing in like, to push him out of the way. Paul, and and Paul. Paul McCartney's going to come in from the top of the dome. Like, <laughs> like Lady Gaga. He'll just We're going to find Bruce Springsteen, trot him out there for born in the USA. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to wrap up the show. Thank you so much to everybody for watching our show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show, whether you're watching on Twitch, YouTube, wherever, Twitter, Facebook, listening to the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much uh, for watching. Uh, and don't forget about Splash Play coming up later today at 2.30, talking about fantasy for the Super Bowl DFS and stuff. Uh, don't forget our limited time offer for FO Plus, just 99 cents per week for an annual subscription. 
it actually is a limited time offer. It actually ends at the Super Bowl. So like we, we've had it as a limited time offer for a while, but now there's actually a limit to the time. <laughs> so get it now and get all of our stuff and get all of our advanced stuff and the fantasy research and the picks against the spread and everything. And thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, JP. Safe travels to both of you, Mike and JP. And I will be back on Thursday with Robert Weintraub and Scott Spratt and probably a giveaway to help you do Super Bowl uh, home, home gating. So we may be giving away some food products for Super Bowl home gating on Thursday's show. So you definitely want to watch Thursday's show. That'll be 1 p.m. Eastern time live streaming on Thursday. Until then, so long, everybody. Keep enjoying the Super Bowl preparations.